this morning is Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you have your Bibles open before you in Colossians, you will quickly see that verses 6 to 7 that we just read serves as the center point and the theme of the entire letter as it moves us from the declaration of God's gracious work that we read uh, together to the results of God's work in the lives of believers. Before our text, the letter to the Colossians describes the impact of the gospel message on the whole world. That's verses, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. And the impact of this gospel is because of what God has done for all creation in Jesus Christ, which is referred to in verses 15 to 23, and then proclaimed through servants like Paul and like Epaphras. With the word, therefore, in Colossians 2, verse 6, the Holy Spirit urges us to see and, and to reflect on the consequences of God's work in the world, in all creation, and in our lives once we have received Christ Jesus the Lord. The opportunity to live in the momentous realities of, of God's amazing work leads to the call to live in a way that is consistent with the truth. The starting point for the instructions the Holy Spirit gives can be found in the act of receiving Christ Jesus the Lord. That's in verse 6. Receiving Christ Jesus is that crossing the line moment. For some, it is the definitive moment when they stop being hostile in their evil deeds, alienated from Christ, and they become holy and blameless, like we read in chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. For others who were brought up in the church, it is the moment of moving from dependence and growth to that definitive moment of being fully assured in your maturity for yourself of the things hoped for and the conviction of the things not seen, the things that you've been taught throughout your life. Those who are publicly professing their faith today for the first time as a public act accompanied by the vows of faithfulness and lifelong commitment, they understand that receiving Christ means both believing in the apostolic teaching but also committing oneself in their recently experienced spiritual maturity, committing themselves to this teaching rather than to the human traditions uh, that are even plausible arguments, says Paul. And in our text then, that, that the receiving of Christ Jesus the Lord is like the decision to marry someone you have loved because you are convinced after some study and thinking that there is no better person to serve and to be built up with by, for the rest of your life. Just as the decision to marry is only made after much learning and studying of one another, so also the decision to receive and follow Jesus Christ 
is preceded by a period of hearing and coming to understand a body of teaching concerning who he is, concerning the truth of the grace of God. When we publicly profess our faith, it's like a, a marriage ceremony to the, the bridegroom in which we knowingly and voluntarily entrust our lives to the triune God and his work in the world and in our lives. We understand that we are submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we are committing ourselves to being led by the Holy Spirit through his word in every part of our lives as members of Christ's body. And I preach you this gospel under the theme, Receiving Christ Jesus the Lord Changes Who You Are. We'll see, it affects your walk as Christ Jesus subjects, your worldview, and your wander as Christ Jesus subjects. Well, the Holy Spirit in our text makes a distinction, you can see that in verse 6, between receiving Christ Jesus the Lord and walking in Christ Jesus the Lord. It's the distinction between the, the moment of declaring whose side we are on and then the ongoing consequences of that declaration. And by commanding us to walk in Christ just as we have received him, the Holy Spirit teaches us that there must be a consistency between what we publicly profess we believe, whether it's for the first time as a, a public act or something we continually do every Sunday when we stand up and we confess our faith or profess our faith with one of the ecumenical creeds. There needs to be a consistency between what we say and what we do, how we live after we make that profession. Those who are publicly professing their faith today are commanded by the Holy Spirit to live their lives according to the truth that they declare to be true without turning away from God to the left or to the right. Receiving Christ is a statement we make about what lives in our hearts and walking in Christ is a way of showing that that declaration is truthful by our unwavering faithfulness to the teaching, our endurance in our convictions, our courage in a hostile world, and our lifestyle choices. The unique characteristics of those who receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, is that they walk in Him. Those two words are important in our text. We walk in Christ. People who receive Christ Jesus the Lord recognize the man Jesus is the promised Christ or the Messiah who was promised in the Old Testament. So if someone asks you, who is the one who was promised to crush the head of the serpent? Or who is the prophet that Moses promised? Or who is that great son of David whose kingdom will have no end that Nathan the prophet spoke about? Or who is the suffering servant of the prophets? Those who have received Christ Jesus the Lord will say that that person is Jesus. The Messiah is Jesus, the Son of God, the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation who came from heaven to take on our human flesh to save us from the punishment we deserve. Walking in Christ. And then those who receive him will also add that he is the Lord, the Master. Walking in Christ is not only recognizing that Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah, but also submitting to Jesus as Lord and Master. You think about what that means, to have Christ Jesus as your Lord. To walk in Christ is to live as subjects of the eternal king. So that in your life, your definition of what is good and what is evil is determined by your Lord, by what Christ has called good or evil. To walk in Christ as subjects of, of the Lord, as our, Christ as our master, is to trust in his wisdom as he leads you by his spirit through his word. To trust in his wisdom with all submission so that he is truly the preeminent one in your life. That he is the head of the body, the church, the source of your life, the guiding force in all that you choose to do. So those who walk in Christ, who submit to his lordship, have their eyes and their hearts and their minds focused on what he says Christian subjects of King Jesus Christ place themselves under him. They deny themselves. They become willing to bear their cross, to bear the consequences of their faith in a hostile world and follow Christ even into suffering. Look what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 24. Walking in Christ is a choice of one path to the exclusion of all others which are declared as false teachings, human traditions that can never bring a person closer to the Lord and creator of heaven and earth, but in fact lead you away from joy and peace. Receiving God's grace to us in Jesus Christ as the only and complete Savior brings us into a unique position before the Holy God. The act of receiving brings you into the kingdom of heaven as citizens of an everlasting kingdom. And so it makes us want to live in a way that's worthy of that change in position, worthy of the calling. And, and that's what the, the, the rest of the book of Colossians describes for us. We said that this, the theme, or the text is the theme, the center point where we change from the indicative to the imperative. And if we look at the verses after our text, we see that to, to walk in Christ is to put off the old nature and its sinful desires and to put on the new self. I'm looking at Colossians 3, verses 10 to 11. And Christ the King then, if you keep reading, leads the subjects who received his lordship in their, into a life of, and you can read that in verse 12, compassion, kindness, Humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, peace, 
thankfulness and song with such power that it influences every relationship that we are in. In Christ, the truth affects our marriages, our friendships, our families, the way we work, everything we do, everything we value is shaped by the name of our King, Jesus Christ. You see that in the second point, that our worldview changes as Christ's subjects. So before we think that walking in Christ is one more obligation that God gives to man, to people, or that it is something that depends on our own strength, another to-do thing, did you walk with Christ today, check mark, or, or not? We need to see that walking in Christ is only possible if God himself works this desire in our hearts. Walking in Christ does not depend on us deciding that Christ will be our, the Lord in our life, but it depends on Christ becoming the Lord in our lives out of mere grace. Christ coming down to be our Lord. When Christ becomes our Lord in, Lord in our hearts, he changes the very core of our being so that he is the one who is directing what we want to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. A Christian's walking in Christ is a result of a worldview that has been shared, that has been shaped by the very presence of God in our hearts. And we see that, we we see that work. We stand amazed to see His grace, to see what God does in our hearts. The young people today before us are celebrated, we rejoice in the work of God in their hearts. They are a testimony of God's love, of God's grace, of God's faithfulness, for He is the one who permeated the very core of their beings by His Holy Spirit to make them want to live according to His will. The apostle describes this ongoing process when he says in verse 7, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you were taught. You can only walk in Christ if your heart is directly connected to Christ through faith that God himself instills in your heart. And although there is some question as we look at verse 7, whether Paul is using one metaphor or if he is moving from a plant metaphor to a construction metaphor, mixing metaphors in the same comparison, there is no question that the Holy Spirit is explaining that once we have received Christ, He becomes the source of all our Christian growth and development. A plant cannot survive without a root system in the ground from where it gets its nourishment, the nourishment it needs to survive and to grow. A building needs a solid basis to prevent it from falling in the storms. And the same is true for Christians who want to persevere, established in the faith as they were taught. And God grants us this stability by rooting our hearts right into Jesus Christ the King, 
through the gift of faith, which leads us to submission. And so we're incorporated into Christ's body. We actually become a part of all that he has accomplished. So God treats us just like he treats his very own beloved son. In the verses immediately after our text, and we read, the Holy Spirit declares that whoever believes in Jesus Christ, and you can see this in verses 12 and following, they have been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And then verse 13, so that you may be made alive together with him, freed from the debt that had chained us to eternal death. It's not us, but Christ in us. When we are taught the faith, and when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, and when we declare that we are on his side for all eternity, we are married to him as the bridegroom, then God creates an unbreakable bond between you and your Lord and Master Jesus Christ through the one Spirit who dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members. That's symbolized for us in the sacrament of Lord's Supper. So through the instrument of faith, the Lord connects you so closely to Christ that His life and His victory surges through you, through, through your heart, and through your head, and through your hands. And so the beginning verses of chapter 3, the Holy Spirit says, you have been raised with Christ, so you seek the things that are above where Christ is. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. He is your life, both today and again when he appears in glory in his return. And it becomes so clear when we received Christ Jesus the Lord. We did not simply come to believe in the existence of a historical figure. Nor did we simply align ourselves with a particular school of thought or even a a, a congregation. But our very hearts have been penetrated by God's Spirit so that Christ might dwell within us and then shine out from within us, affecting how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see the world around us, how the world sees us. Receiving Christ Jesus the Lord changes our very identity. It defines who we are, defines our worldview. And the gospel message for those who receive Christ Jesus the Lord is that in Christ you have peace with the creator of heaven and earth. You are friends with the eternal king who is before all things and in all things and preeminent in everything, who holds all things together. That king is your friend in Jesus Christ. You're subjects of that king. He's on your side. And Christ, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, has become your loving father who delights in you, who delights in your life before him. 
Your Father sees you. Because of your connection in Christ, He sees you now as, as valuable in this world, as innocent children, together with all believers with whom we are knitted together, like we read in verse chapter 2, verse 2. Your rootedness to Christ through the faith you were taught also means that you have access to, look at verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. No matter how much learning you manage to obtain in this life, your connection to Christ ties you to that treasure. Even though many people, Jews and Gentiles alike, we read about that in this letter as well, they may pass judgment on you because you do not live like they do. The world around us no longer holds us in its grip because we are connected to Christ. We live in anticipation of the resurrection of the body, of an inheritance that cannot be shaken, cannot be taken away. See how that affects the way you see this world, the way you see your life, the way you, you choose your priorities. We may be confident, we may be assured in our humble meekness and our service to our neighbors that we always may give thanks to the Lord. We live as Christ's subjects in wonder. The reality of God's work in our lives is, is an amazing thing for believers to think about. It's an amazing thing to experience. God lifts you out of the, this life to see His glory each and every day of our lives. It's so amazing to wake up every morning and be able to give thanks to the Creator of heaven and earth, the eternal King of the universe, who has become your Father in Jesus Christ. And so we, we thank Him. If you look at chapter 1, verses 12 to, to 13, we, we thank Him for making us qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son, to have a Lord and Master who first gave His life for the very people He reigns over. That's a fact that boggles our minds. And we are overjoyed to be a part of the momentous and universal work of the triune God, our Sovereign Father. With a simple profession of our faith. Simple declaration that we are on the side of that God by His work in our hearts. That receiving Christ Jesus as our Lord, we are lifted up from the vanity of a meaningless life. And we're united with the preeminent Son of God who fills heaven and earth with His glory, who provides everything we need for this life and the life to come, or this life that continues forever. We are filled with wonder at the profound depths of the love of God who has chosen us out of this in this world, out of mere grace, to make us share 
and the certain expectation of never-ending life in fellowship with the Creator of heaven and earth, together with everyone else who loves this God and Savior. This wander never leaves the hearts of those who receive Christ Jesus the Lord, those who continue to walk in Him, those who are continually rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith they were taught by the Holy Spirit through His Word. And there's no contradiction between being established in the faith and experiencing a continual wander with the gospel message. Because the heart that is rooted and built up in Christ is always overflowing, abounding with thankfulness. And sometimes it does happen in our lives that we take our blessings for granted. Sometimes we forget the amazing grace of God toward us, undeserving sinners. Sometimes we grow dull to the amazing love of God that we see, that we can see, that we can experience every day. It's right there, and, and sometimes we, we don't even think about it. Yet pay attention, and you will see that every time you start drifting into that complacency, it's only happening when you stop expressing your thanks to the Lord. And that's why the Holy Spirit commands all those who have received Christ Jesus the Lord to not only walk in Him and not only continue to grow in Him by faith, but also to abound in thankfulness. That thankfulness is the tie, the, the connection that keeps His grace present in our lives. To overflow, to abound with thankfulness is basically to max out in giving thanks to God. To do the, the most thanksgiving you can, you can think of. Every day, constantly counting your blessings. Constantly lifting your eyes to heaven to thank the King who enriched you with such blessings, who is at your side every day. Those who have received Christ Jesus the Lord while submitting to Him in all humility and, and in thankfulness and never stop praying to the Lord. Never stop giving thanks for all that they have in Christ. We thank the Lord for being His children. We thank the Lord for how He sees us in Christ Jesus as innocent and clean and valuable in His sight. We thank the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit that we experience every time we face a temptation and fight it off. We thank the Lord for the joy and the peace that He gives to us in good times and for the joy and peace and endurance He gives to us in the difficult times. We show that we are overflowing with thankfulness when we are eager to recount the works of the Lord. When people talk to us, they just hear us talking about what God has done in our lives. We love to talk about His Word. We love to point out His grace toward each one of us as undeserving sinners. We love to reflect on His, his love in the past that changed our eternal position. We love to rejoice in being citizens of an eternal kingdom in Jesus Christ. 
that everyone who talks to us could see how extremely thankful we are. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Every time someone walks away from you, they, they say, man, that person is abounding in thankfulness toward his Father. A person set on giving thanks will constantly be studying God's Word, constantly reflecting on His promises, constantly applying those promises to the different situations in our lives, thanking the Lord for the blessings He pours out upon us. Brothers and sisters, fellow subjects of Christ the Eternal King, with whom we are united by true faith, let us walk together as covenant children, chosen in Christ. Let us reflect the fact that we are united to the eternal King of heaven, rooted in Him, established in Him, built up in Him. Let us overflow, let us abound with thankfulness. Once you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, let Him be your all in all. Amen.